We welcome in a man who got buckets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. A six-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA second team, two-time scoring champion, rookie of the year, among many other awards. He was the leading scorer for the 1976 U.S. Olympic team that captured gold in Montreal. Speaking of money, he was that during his playing career as he shot a career 54% from the field. Y'all better be paying attention because we have the teacher, the original AD, the most in-shape mid-60-year-old man I know, Hall of Famer Adrian Dantley. How are you doing? What's going on? Glad to be on your, your guys' show today. Interested to uh, hear your kind of questions you might ask me today. <laughs> Hopefully some ones you haven't heard before. And I've, I've got some for them. I've heard them all, so I want to know. <laughs> well, Hopefully, hopefully we got one that you haven't heard, but Adrian, it's a pleasure having you on. Um, for those who don't know, Adrian, David, and I have gone to the same gym or used to go to the same gym for years and have developed quite a friendship. And uh, he's a really great guy. And I'm excited for you guys to learn a little bit more about his career. So, I mean, let's get to it. You're a DMV legend. Anyone in the area knows who you are. You attended DeMatha High School under legendary coach Morgan Wooten. And you helped pave the way for some great players to come from this area. And I know Coach Lewis wanted to ask you something about that. Absolutely. So uh, from, from one teacher to the teacher, what does it mean to be the face of a program who sent the second most NBA players out of one high school? And also, do you have any connections with some of these current players like Oladipo and Fultz and Grant? I don't have any contact with uh, none of the younger players, um, but I know about them. I've heard about their career when they was at the math, uh, when they was in AAU out in Prince George's County. You got a lot of bas- a lot of great players from that area. Even though we say the DMV, we mean D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, but uh, uh, some great guys, great players have attended the math since I've gone there a long time ago, and uh, the math has always been a you know, a great school for, you know, for all the kids academically, basketball-wise, and uh, uh, it was a good decision that I attended there. Yeah, I mean, you know, for anyone in the area, we you're you're the best player to come from there. I mean, you're a Hall of Famer, and that's the top of the top. And I want to go then to your college days because you went to the prestigious Notre Dame University from 1973 to 1976. You had a stellar college career with consensus first-team All-American selections in 1974 through 75 and the following year. You're second in their career scoring list. But what I don't think many realize is that you were on the team that ended UCLA's 88-game winning streak coached by John Wooden. What strategy did Digger Phelps have to beat one of the best teams of all time? I don't know if he had a strategy was that – you know, we just went out there. We had a game plan. We was going to uh, just play hard, see what happened. They were ranked number one. We were ranked number two. And the main thing that I remember about playing UCLA, uh, the day before the game, you know how teams cross paths with each other. And I can always remember Bill Walton when he was walking by us, you know, whistling the Notre Dame fight song. So that really pumped the guys up. So uh, we end up beating them by one. 
Uh, after the game, he was crying. I said, what happened to the Notre Dame fight song, big boy? <laughs> <laughs> so every time I see him, he's always got a story to tell me. The only loss I ever had was against, you know, with you guys, you broke our 88 game winning streak. But, uh, you know, at that time, UCLA, that's where everybody wanted to go at that time. And a lot of players went there. You know, you would have first team All-Americans in senior year. They would go there even when they would have All-Americans there. They probably wouldn't play until their senior year. Uh, Coach Wooden recruited me, but I chose a different path by attending Notre Dame. I thought that was a uh, right school for me. And uh, some pretty good things happened while I was there. Yeah, and some good things after. And just to touch on that game, I read from the jump that it was physical, and you elbowed Bill Walton and gave him a bloody nose. Is that true? Yes, I gave him a bloody nose, but it wasn't on purpose. That's just the way I played, going to the rim real hard. A shot blocker, you know, when you're playing against a shot blocker, they always say, take it to the rim, don't fade away. So I uh, took it to the rim, caught him in the jaw by accident, but uh, those things happen when you play basketball. That's true, and you know it's 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 a physical game, and, and especially back in the day before it's we got kind of soft with the calls now, but <laughs> that success ultimately paid off as you were drafted six overall by the Buffalo Braves in nineteen seventy six, where you automatically made an impact, averaging over twenty points a game in your rookie season and taking home the Rookie of the Year award. However, you got traded before the following season to the Pacers, making it the first time at that time that the defending rookie of the year had been traded. Um, And it's interesting because usually teams build around their young players. And I know Brad wanted to touch on a certain point. I did. I was curious, you know, something that always interests me about professional leagues is that as much as meritocracy is promoted, they can be just as political as your run of the mill office job. Did you have to go up against that a lot in your career? Well, back in those days, it was a lot different. When I was with Buffalo, we had two different owners, and both of them owned 50% of the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, say uh, one owner would go to Europe, and then the other owner would be in the United States, and he would make a draft choice, and the other owner wouldn't know about it. That's how crazy. Wow. So it was it was like crazy back then. Matter of fact, the starting lineup, the starting lineup were all, you know, front court was all Hall of Famers, and they traded everybody. I played with Bob McAdoo. He traded him with about 35 games left in the in the season, he traded him in New York. They traded Moses Malone after eight games of exhibition season. He went to Houston. And then they end up trading me at the end of the year. Uh, a guy by the name of John Y. Brown, he was the ABA owner of the Kentucky Colonels. And he just wanted all ABA players. So they traded me for a player by the name of Billy Knight. And that's when I got traded to Indiana. As soon as I got traded to Indiana, as soon as I got there, the coach told me, hey, Adrian, don't buy a house. I'm going to trade to the Lakers in about 30 games. End up getting traded to the Lakers. So this was crazy business back then. Really crazy for me because usually you get traded if you, you don't produce or you don't get along with your teammates. I pretty much got along with my teammates, produced, but still got traded for, for, for crazy reasons. Yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like that's the formula for success is that you build around young players, especially ones when they're rookies, and you get them when they're on cheap contracts, and, and that's kind of the building blocks. But you, know, you mentioned you got traded to the Pacers, and then they traded you to the Lakers. and They both messed up as they didn't keep your services for long, but 
Eventually, you ended up with the Utah Jazz, where you really defined your career. I mean, you averaged 30 points a game or more for four straight seasons in a row. You were really the prolific scorer in the NBA before Jordan. So how does it feel being that dominant for that long a time? Well, every player that, you know, play high school or college or NBA, they want to be as good as they can be. So, you know, I always worked hard. I was always the underdog, even though I was a high school All-American, uh, so-called number one player in high school. There were always the critics, you know, like, oh, he's he's not he's not skinny like a basketball player is supposed to be. That's the way it was supposed to be back then, you know. So when I go to college, I wasn't tall enough. I was 6'5". You know, if I was 6'7", six, 6'8", six, I would have been the number one pick. But because of my height, you know, there were always some doubts. There were always critics. So I got drafted, you know, uh, the sixth player picked in the first round. Uh, and uh, same thing in the pros. They didn't think I would be successful as a pro player. But, you know, one thing you got to always question someone, you, you know, you got to always look at their heart, you know. And the reason why I was always successful in high school, college and pros was because of my heart. And then there was no one better conditioned than I was. So that was those were my two best assets uh, when, when I played basketball. I mean, Actually, Adrian, I, I did have a question about that. I, I went back and looked at your yearly stats in your career. The score, the scoring titles and the All-Star games, they're impressive and something I bet you take a lot of pride in. But what really sticks out to me was your minutes. You were practically playing the whole game year in and year out. Were you conscious about taking care of your body in a certain way so you could do that kind of thing? Or were you just blessed with the stamina to begin with? Well, I always prepare myself in all season for the upcoming season. You know, after uh, season, I would take off a month and then I would start, you know, getting ready for the for the upcoming season. But, uh, yeah, I play a lot of minutes. Uh, I guess I had to uh, sometimes, but uh, minutes didn't bother. You know, you got to learn how to pace yourself. You got to take care of yourself. You got to eat well. You got to sleep well. And uh, during the season, you got to be all basketball. Nothing else can be you know, interrupting your, your routine that I had during the season. Yes, yeah, certainly. And it's interesting because I feel like there's so many distractions for NBA players going out, you know, now social media. And that's something you didn't really have to deal with in your day. And I think it showed because you had a really great stretch in your career. Adrian, I just want to know, do you know your career high off the top of your head? 57 against Chicago Bulls. <laughs> that's right. Do you know what year? I don't remember what year. 1984. 1982. I'm not going to hold that against you, but it's pretty impressive. Right. So did you know that day or just like, you know, I mean, I'm scoring 30 a game. That's good, but I'm going to go and try and like double that tonight. Well, you always hear people say they've been in a zone. I think I scored 57 times during my NBA career. And, uh, you know, you just know when you're in a zone, when you're just hitting everything. Uh um, it's a good feeling when you know you just automatic. You know, it's just a great feeling. Adrian, I want to ask you, you were a six-time NBA All-Star, went to uh, the All-Rookie second team. You were a two-time scoring champion. So you had a lot of accolades, won a lot of things in your career. I was All-Rookie first team. I'm Rookie of the Year. You can't rookie be of the year. in second uh. team. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're all, for, we're all for pooping on David. That's fair. But, so that, that leads me to my question, though, because <laughs> – there are a lot of wins and, and a lot of good stuff in your career, but there's a loss that I think people don't know about. And so I'm referring to 
there was a loss that you had where you had to lose a certain amount of body fat percentage in a month versus somebody. And I heard you lost that. Can you tell the audience who you lost that to and what ensued after that? Who are you talking about, Eric? <laughs> Talking about me. I had less body fat than you did. No, you didn't. <laughs> that day, do you remember at the gym that day? And we, we yeah, go- David, David, I'm David. Yeah, yeah. You won that. You won. You won. You won. <laughs> I just, you I'm, I'm glad. Yourself, though. As soon as it was over with, you got fat again. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm as skinny as I've ever been. Yeah, you won that bet. That, I just like to, to tell the audience that. What is up with the new hairstyle that you have, though? You didn't have that hairstyle when you was coming to the gym. What's is that? It, uh, do you like the look or no? You look like uh, I don't know. You look like Elvis Presley or something. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis Presley he used to call probably me like. Don't, probably don't even know who he is, but go ahead. I know Elvis Presley. <laughs> but I, all all kidding aside, though. Um, Adrian, for those that don't know, we'll go back to his career in a second, but Adrian was, we used to go to the gym together. He'd be there all day, put in the work, do his full body workouts. I would see him in the morning. If I came later on, he was still there doing his thing. He's the most fit person in his 60s I've ever met. And I do miss working out with you because I would just look over at you. You call me fat and then you would push me to be able to make sure that I got my stuff done. But I missed you, know, that. you you know you're a big time uh, bodybuilder now, so you know at that time you weren't worrying about that. But now you you focus on that now. You look pretty good in your contest, though. I must admit, you know. I appreciate that. That's that's yeah. the one thing. The one thing I'll have better than you in my life. So I will take that. <laughs> in back to basketball, for those that don't know, this is the relationship that Adrian and David had. So um, after your time with the Jazz, you got traded to the Pistons. And I don't want to talk about their tenure there too long because anyone interested in that can watch the bad boys documentary, but we've actually talked in the past and you told me that you haven't watched that documentary. Why did you do it? And why haven't you watched it? Uh, I wasn't interested in it. You know, uh, maybe I'll look at it one day. You know, I heard about it. Some people told me about it, but uh, you know, my Detroit, my, my career in Detroit, I had a great time in Detroit. Just I didn't get along with, with, you know, with Isaiah. Everybody know all about it. So he pretty much, you know, ran the basketball team. So uh, I ended up getting traded. You know, that's part of the game. You get traded. But, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. You know, in this business, anything can happen. But uh, it didn't knock me down. I kept on playing. I've always had a lot of uh, interruptions during my career. But it's always been perseverance. It's gotten me through and still try to maintain my standard of good basketball no matter where I play. Is there yeah. is, is there any advice that you'd give to your 25-year-old self? Uh, I would just say, you know, most of the players just, just do the right thing. You know, be a good person. Like you said, with, like Eric said earlier, with the social media, you know, a lot it seems like more players getting in trouble or they worrying about what someone say about them and yeah. They get caught up in all that. You know, you hear about, you know, you hear about, you know, you hear about a guy like Haskins. He worry about social media, see how many people follow him. I wouldn't get involved with that. If, if today, if I was playing today's player, you know, I would just be focused on what I would have to do and don't don't be concerned with what's, what's happening on the outside. And it seemed like today that's what a lot of players are worrying about. 
I can attest Adrian would not have social media because he called me to help uh, with directions with his smartphone. So if he had difficulty using maps. Well, if, I was, if I was that age, I would know everything about it. And I'm not really concerned. Yeah. <laughs> That's I would have to about 25, you know. Adrian, yeah. I know you're going to be on board with me. Should the NBA eliminate the charge? Because I think it's the softest thing in basketball. No, they shouldn't eliminate the charge because you – uh, you got a lot of ball players when they go to the rim. I remember when I played with you and Eric, you, especially you, David, you like go to the rim with reckless abandon and knock <laughs> down. No, they shouldn't get rid of the charge. When you go to the rim, you should be under control and don't run over the guy who's, you know, I know what you're saying. A lot of guys just staying underneath the basket. You know, little point guards like you and Eric can't play defense, so you just stand on the ground and, and take a charge. But, yeah. No, they should not get rid. They should not get rid of the, uh, you know, the, the charge in basketball. How? Who was the best ball player that you saw that day on this podcast? I know you played with reckless abandon. I know that. You know. <laughs> what? What Adrian Erg, wasn't telling me. Erg, Erg was pretty good. Erg was pretty good. Erg was. Pretty I, good. I well, wait. So well, wait. Not- oh, wait, wait. He hasn't given me a compliment yet. What? What? He, he you know, play, I mean, you you play like a weightlifter. You know what I mean. <laughs> You know what I, that means, right? <laughs> I hit a couple shots. I think one time I took it to the hole on you and scored. You hit a couple shots, yeah. Yeah. This he Adrian might not remember, but you refereed my junior va- varsity basketball game, so he, you never know. It could be it could be me out of the pot. I didn't even know that. Oh wow. What what school was that? Uh, Richard Montgomery. This was oh, at Blair yeah. High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoy refereeing the high school games. I really enjoy doing that. I do that, uh, you know, because I enjoy watching the kids play, JV players, girls play. So uh, the last five years, I've seen a lot of high school basketball players, girls, boys, 12 and under. I really I really enjoy the refereeing the 12 and under because I, I like looking at guys and say, or girls say, she's going to be a pretty good player. He's going to be a pretty good player in high school. So uh, – I enjoyed it all, all levels, you know, all levels. And he certainly has the eye for knowing who's got it or who doesn't. Uh, I just want to finish out on your career. You played a few seasons with the Mavericks and Bucks before hanging it up, calling it a great 17-year career. What ultimately was the deciding factor for retiring? Well, I couldn't play anymore, you know. Get to, that's why you got to really respect LeBron James. I really respect what he's doing for a guy to be in his 17th year, you know, averaging over 25 points. That's like – you know, only one player ever done that. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So it got a lot to do with how well he keeps himself in shape. You know, great basketball player. But usually most basketball players, when they get to the 35, you know, they kind of hang on. They're not really, you know, they're really not doing anything. But, uh, uh, you know, you just get a certain age. Once you get to playing 15 years, you kind of go down a little bit. Yeah, and – You know, I'm glad you got the recognition you deserve. I think a lot of times people, at least my age, look at Jordan on as kind of when the history of basketball started. But you got recognized as the Jazz retired your number in 2007 and you were elected into the Hall of Fame in 2008, the highest honors there is for any basketball player. And I know there's something James wanted to touch on. So what I I popped out to me when I'm looking at your stats, uh, you made more shots than you missed. I mean, your efficiency was off the chart, and this goes back to your college days, to your NBA days. Uh, You're a leading scorer of the 1976 Olympic basketball team. 
you get in the Hall of Fame with the likes of Patrick Ewing and Hakeem Olajuwon. What would you consider your greatest basketball achievement? Uh, well, you know, Hall of Fame is that's the biggest it can be. But uh, I just pride myself on being consistent at every level that I played on. You know, like you always hear the story where the player might get 21 night and the next night he might get five points. You know, I never wanted to be like that. Or he might get, you know, 13 rebounds one game. Then the next game he might get two. So always just try to be consistent. That's the uh, mark of a good basketball player. Also a mark of a good basketball player is how you played on, how you played on the road. I think my best stats were on the road more than they were at home. So, uh, you know, you always have players play well at home, but once they go on the road, it's a different guy, you know. So uh, just try to be consistent, and uh, that's what it's all about, of being a good player at any level. Is there a player in the league now that reminds you any any bit of yourself? Uh, not really. I don't um, – not really. I can't think of any players that remind me of myself a little bit. You know, sometimes they com- compare <laughs> they compare Carmelo to me. That's what I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that. We were talking about that. I don't know if that's good or bad because they be getting on Carmelo a lot, you know. But, they but, do. Uh, but uh, I would say similarities. Those guys were a lot bigger. Leonard, yeah, yeah. he was, you know, I had the mid-range game like he did. You know, I didn't shoot that many threes when I played it because I always wanted a good shooting percentage. So uh, those two guys I think of a little bit. Iso King. He, he certainly was a bucket getter. And uh, transitioning to post-career, prior to COVID, you were a crossing guard. And we mentioned that you were getting into refereeing basketball games as well. But it's interesting because many former athletes, especially ones of your fame level, look to get into the media and you talked a little bit about why you're ref in basketball because, you know, you, you love the game and you love watching players develop. But what made you want to be a crossing guard? Well, I didn't really want to be in the media because I've been in the media before. I used to do the Wizards games. It takes up a lot of time. It takes a lot of preparation. I didn't feel like doing that. You know I mean? You know, when when I uh, worked for um, – um, I can't think of the name of the station, but uh, – who televised the Wizards games. There's a lot of preparation. You want to go in there. You want to be prepared. You want to know what's going on. You don't want to be saying, I mean, I would, I would, you know, study by myself. One thing I make sure that I wouldn't do when I hear you guys talk or guys talk on the Reds football games was I never was going to say, you know, I was going to never say, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the time. When you see these people talking about basketball and football, you know, I made sure I wasn't going to say that, but uh, it's a lot of preparation. You got to do a lot of work, but I enjoyed doing it at that time. But as far as being a crossing guard, it's something that I like doing. I get up. I know the kids. You know, I can work out in between. Then I go back at 3.30. I'm done for the day. Same thing as, you know, refereeing the basketball games. You know, uh, referee. I, I, I pride myself on trying to referee more basketball games than any of the the referees in the board, 12, I've been like in the top three, you know, over over 200 basketball games. So uh, over 275 basketball games one year. So uh, uh, I enjoy doing it. It keeps me in shape. And uh, just something I want to do, but not full time, but just a little bit of time. Yeah. We can tell you still have the competitiveness of playing. So we're talking with Adrian Dantley, Hall of Famer, 
two-time uh, all-star, and man that probably has single-digit body fat. Yeah, I'm all-star, man. I'm a six-time. Oh, six-time, six-time. Sorry, I'm thinking two-time. Brother calling me second-team rookie of the year. <laughs> see, that's what I'm talking about preparation, see? How you going to make second-team all-rookie team and be rookie of the year? And that, that's true. That's my one slip. I was, just, you know, I was so. checking to see if you were paying attention. Yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Adrian, we, we like to get our athletes out here on this. We like to do a little rapid fire. So we got 10 questions, this or that. Try not to think too much about it. Just the first one that comes to your head, okay? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Would you rather not watch sports for a year or not go to the gym for a year? Watch no sports for a year. Okay, I figured that was going to be it. <laughs> Would you rather wear the same clothes every day for a year? Or not get a haircut for six months. Not get a haircut for six months. Okay. Would you rather have a one-minute conversation with your past self or with your future self? Future. Okay. Would you rather clog the the toilet on you and your wife's first date when she was over or have done it in the locker room? Down and in the locker room. <laughs> Scare off all your teammates. Where you get these questions from? Go ahead. You got them from me. <laughs> Some of them. Would you rather be stranded on an island by yourself or with the person that you hate most? That might be Isaiah Thomas. I'd rather be on stranded by myself. <laughs> so no Isaiah Thomas. Would you rather be able to speak to animals or speak every language? Oh, definitely every language. You know. Okay. I'm, I'm jealous of people, but Tumbo, I'm jealous of him because he can speak like nine different languages, man. Can't you speak I Italian? Did. Weren't you, uh, didn't you play like two years of Italian ball? Once I start learning and then that's when I start playing it. You know, I played there like two years. Yeah. The next one, and I didn't get this one from David because I made up. Would you rather beat David in a game of basketball or a competition to see who could lose the most body fat? What was competition to body fat, you know? Yeah, of course. I could have told you that. I'm rooting for it the next time. Would you rather wear clothes that are one size too small or two sizes too big? One size too small. Okay. Come on, Eric. He's going to have to flex on him. <laughs> I mean, I, I, he, he can show off. He can show one off. The one size too small. <laughs> we call those rather, the mediums. Would you rather look frail and be strong? Or look strong and be frail. Look frail and be strong. All right. Spoken like a a true gymmer. The last one. Would you rather give a high five to everyone you meet? This is pre-COVID. Or give a wedgie to anyone you see that's wearing a green shirt? I can can go along with the high five. That doesn't bother me. Okay, awesome. I was hoping that you were going to give a wedgie to everyone and David was going to happen to wear a green shirt today. (laughs) Adrian, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, for those that haven't checked it out, please look up some Adrian Dantley highlights. He doesn't have any social media, which is probably for the best staying out of the media. But please look up some Hall of Famer highlights. He does not get the recognition he's, he deserves. Adrian, before we sign off, is there anything you want to say to the listeners? Um, I enjoyed talking to you guys today and wish you, wish you guys much success. Good talking to you guys. And do you want to do you want to take one last jab or insult to David? That's always welcome. 
I'm not going to get on him today. You know, I, I, see, I, see him, I see him in the gym. I see him in the gym. You know, the first thing he's going to say to me is be like, I really did. At first, I, I mean, I, I didn't even recognize David with that hairstyle. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> first thing he's going to say to me, I could, I could look good. He's the first thing he's going to say to me when I walk in, they'd be like, man, you got fat as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man.